I honestly believe that most of us, we have heard the preaching of Pastor Peter regarding the God of the how much more. And when he said that, honestly, I was very blessed. And I believe deep within my spirit that that's something very important for all of us to know. That our God is the God of the how much more. What does he mean? This is what he meant. He meant that if you people desire to have good things in life, how much more with God? In fact, he uses the passage in, in Luke that he said, If you evil fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father who is holy. Amen? Amen. Now, if you desire somehow your relatives to come to know Jesus, how much more with God? It is his heart desire. In fact, if you happen to, to read Luke 15, you would see that our God desires for people to experience and to, to be saved. And to really experience His grace. Why? Because when a person or where a lost soul is found, there is a great celebration in heaven. You know in Hebrews, there are three ways to, to, to relate with God. First, it is like a child to a father. They're asking the father. And it is just the, the, the minimum. As in, they're asking the father everything that they need. But as they grow in the relationship, they become like a wife. To the father or to the husband. Which means they are to, uh, to say I love you and to ask how they can serve the, the husband. And eventually as they relate, it is, it is in relation with their God. Okay, now Some of them, as they grow further, they would begin to be like a husband to the wife. Meaning they are to protect the heart. And it is God's desire that we are to protect his heart. What does he mean? It means that he just desired for all of us to be a man after God's own heart. Amen? It is God's desire. It, because there is no other life worth living for apart from that truth. Now, before I continue, shall we just pray? Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful time that you have given us to be gathered together to honor you. And Lord, it is your promise that if two or three are gathered in your name, you are in their midst. Father, we know that you are everywhere. But to manifest your presence, Father God, in our midst is your promise. And I pray that every one of us will truly give glory to you. And thank you, Lord our God, because we know that your desire, Father God, is to see fellowship with your people, to fellowship with your creation. And you even gave your son, Jesus Christ, that we may enjoy that. And Father God, we thank you that you cause the best of heavens, Father God, in order for us to have a fellowship like this, in order for us to enjoy you, in order for us to know you and to make you known. Father God, I pray to allow your spirit to move freely in our midst this morning, O God, and let your purposes alone be accomplished. And Father God, let not my weakness nor anything in this world hinder your purposes to be accomplished in to every person in this place, O God, and to every family we represent. Thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, you see, a wrong perception of God affects not only our prayer lives, but also it affects our whole being, our actions, our decisions, our giving, our relationship. It affects everything. That's why there was a, a, there was a guy, uh, he was just a young monk. He arrives at the monastery and he's assigned to helping the other monks in copying the old canons and laws of the church by hand. So he notices, however, that some, no, he noticed that, that, they, that they're copying that they're copying from copies, not from the original manuscript. So the new monk goes to the head abbot to question this, uh, to question this and pointing out that if someone made even a small error at the first copy, it would never be picked up. In fact, the error would be continued in all the subsequent copies. The head monk says, we've been copying from the copies for centuries. But you made a good point, my son. So he goes down into the dark caves underneath the monastery, where the original manuscripts are held as archives in a locked vault that hasn't been opened for hundreds of years. Hours, as in hours go by and nobody sees the old abbot. So the young, man's, young monk got, gets worried and went down to look for him. And he sees him banging his head, as in against the wall and wailing. We missed the R. We missed the R. His forehead's all bloody and bruised and he's crying uncontrollably. The young monk asked the old abbot, What's wrong, father? With, with a choking voice, the old abbot replies, The word was celebrate. 
I'm giving you enough time to think, you know. I know that not all of us are fast enough to understand this. With that as my cue, uh, we need to ask these people to move their vehicles, please. Uh, there, there's uh, somebody renting the house here. There's a house there, and we're blocking all the passages. For gray Ford Edge, black Lexus, red Prius, a black BMW, a white Jeep Patriot. Okay. <laughs> okay. There are two slots on the, the commercial building, 408. There are still two slots over there. And if those, you know, maybe you can just move it closer to this side so that the tenant at the back, uh, they have a baby, you know, you never know, an emergency, okay? So while they're moving about going to their cars, just think about celebrate. <laughs> at least uh, you have enough time to think about it. <laughs> anyway, I, I really lost my momentum. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Now, <laughs> it's like this. You see, friends, we're having a wrong concept of God affects our whole life. Just imagine, just a letter. They missed it. They missed it. And imagine the consequence, a lifelong of being celibate. Can you imagine that kind of consequence? Now, let's look at this. You see, friends, in this ministry, we have a mission and vision, which I would like to re-emphasize. Why? Because in CCF, our mission is something that we did not invent. It is God's mission for us. It is very unfortunate that 90% of people, they are just living to survive. They have no reason to exist. They don't know how, why they were created. They don't know why they were born in this world. And when we became Christian, as a church, God has given us a specific reason of existence. And that makes our life worth living for. And that makes our lives exciting. Amen? You see, you begin to understand that we are not created accidentally. You know, no one created accidentally. Just look at the person beside you. Tell him, you are not an accident. <laughs> you may be look like one, but you see, <laughs> but you are not. <laughs> you are not. So God has a specific reason why church is here. It's just like this. Look at this. To honor God and to make Christ committed followers who make Christ committed followers. Why honor God? Because in John chapter 4, if you still remember, that the Father six, the Father six. True worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. So when God created us, it is His desire that we may fellowship with Him and honor Him. That in everything we do, even in an ordinary activities that we have, we are to honor God. Either we eat or drink, we are to glorify the Lord. Amen? Now, and here... Jesus Christ beautifully said in Matthew that Jesus came up and spoke to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And look at the words and said, Teaching them them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Friends, let me ask you this. What does God expect of us? You see, as Christians, in the Bible, Christians were just, the word Christian is mentioned thrice. Because the word to describe Christians is often explained or described in a word, disciple, followers of Christ. Amen? So how many of you are Christians here? Good. Praise God. Majority. And maybe those who did not raise their hands, they were just sleeping. It's okay. I just hope that they're Christians. Now, secondly is this. If you are a disciple, a follower of Christ, what does God expect of you? He expects you to be disciples. Why? Go and make disciples. You see, most people, they say, well, I'm already mature. I'm a Christian. I know a lot of things in the Bible. But the point is this. You are not just called to know more about the scripture. You are called to put them into practice by making disciples. And this is what he said. Teaching them everything.
everything that I commanded you. And look at the words. And here is the promise. I am with you to the very end of the age. How many of you want to experience the manifest presence of God? Everyone. And he said, I am with you. And that's a promise. If you want to really experience this, you know what? In the scripture, when God says that he is with him, look at the words, like Joseph. Joseph was a successful man. Why? Because the Lord was with him. He wasn't successful because of his wealth. He wasn't successful because of his property or possession or accomplishments. No, because he was just a servant. Remember his condition was the servant of Potiphar? And yet, God said he was a successful man. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Now friends, if you want people to see that the Lord is really with you, then you have to follow this. Why? Because it is his promise. Go and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them everything. And lo, I'm with you always at the very end of the age. And you know why most people are always discouraged in life? Because their priorities are entirely different from God's priorities. The reason why we think, the, the reason why most people are getting very tired in this life, because they're just trying to survive. Instead of accomplishing the very reason why God, you, why God put you here. You see, God put you here, especially here in America, not just for you to enjoy the land, but for us to make disciples. Now, look at this. What is making disciples really mean? First of all, making disciples is like this. You see, it is really bringing them to become followers of Jesus Christ. And in the context of CCF, what we do is we intentionally evangelize people. Amen? Okay, let me ask you again. How many of you are Christians? Can I see your hands? Praise God. How many of you are making disciples? So only 30% left. Now... It's very unfortunate. Anyway, don't worry. If you haven't started discipling or intentionally evangelizing people to become followers of Jesus Christ, don't worry. Maybe some of you may say, be saying, well, I'm not prepared. I don't know how to share. And this is why we encourage you because the Bible says that God or Jesus gives, gave us some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. For what purpose? To equip the saints. So in the, in the context of CCF, it is God-inspired the leadership to do training like, G, like uh, GLC, Global Leadership Con- uh, uh, Center. You know why we're doing that? Because we all want to be trained. We want to be equipped. Every one of us. Because God's desire for us, all of us to, to really be prepared in doing what He wants us to accomplish. Amen? So I encourage you. I challenge you. Why? Why is, this? Why is this so important? Look at this. Most people, they could not find time really doing this because the problem is, I don't have time. You see, you just don't understand our context here in, in, the, in, in the USA. We don't have maids. We don't have, you see. But you, need, you know, friends, I, I, I can speak with authority on this area. Why? Because I don't have maids. And I live in the Philippines where the traffic is so terrible. (laughs) Imagine the distance of about 14 kilometers. It will take you an hour to get to that destination. For just 14 kilometers. I spend most of my time on the road driving. And if business is the issue... Well, friends, that's not true. And most of us say, I don't have time. You see, I'm working. How can I feed my family? You are wrong. Why? Because the Bible says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, and he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Well, I'm not saying that if you're too busy with your work, you are, you are focusing or serving the wrong masters. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this, you alone know your priorities. Whether you really put God as your priority or not. Because it's just a matter of time management. Amen? Because we all have given, we are given the same time, 24-7. Is there somebody else who has 18? <laughs> Every one of us. And here is, and look at this. The program of God is this. From the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, He desired for all of us to enjoy Him. Amen? Unfortunately, the first man disobeyed God. He turned his back on the Lord. And we, when he turned his back on the Lord, everything went bad. 
And God, with His great love for us, He doesn't want us to remain there. What He did was to give His Son to rescue us back, to bring us back to fellowship with Him. Amen? Now, here's a picture. And when God saved us, He did not bring us right away to heaven. What have you noticed? We are still here on earth. Why? Because He wants you to be part of the search and rescue operation. He wants us to continue on searching the lost souls. Because just imagine this. So when God tells us to go and make disciples, when you see a person who is not yet a Christian, and God tells you and imprompts you to share that gospel, and you did not, it is just one way of saying, though you're not intentionally saying it, you are just saying, go to hell. Honestly. Hindi ba? By not doing anything, you know that this person is lost. You're just really just saying, well, go to hell, brother. I cannot share the gospel to you. I'm not prepared. I'm not equipped. And I don't even have the burden to do so. Because I'm too busy for my family. Friends, this is why, look at this. In 2 Corinthians, this is the calling that God has for us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. This is a new, uh, born again experience. You become a new person. Amen? God changed you with him. Because you're now identified with Christ. And after becoming a Christian, and this is the continuation. This is what he said. Now all these things are from God. Who reconciled us to himself. What? Through Christ and gave us what? The ministry of reconciliation. What was the ministry given to us? The ministry of reconciliation. Because people are far away from God. When we are saved, we are saved not for us just to enjoy life. Because that is, the Christian life is a joyful life. You don't need to search for joy. You are just to experience and experience God and allow God to move in your life. Amen? But He wants us to tell the world and be witnesses to these people that Jesus Christ is alive through our testimonies. And we were given that ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. How? Look at this. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. This is the message. Friends, look at this. How many people are striving to be good and to be perfect in order to please God? How many are getting discouraged because they feel that they can never please the Lord? They tried everything and yet they're still not perfect. And the Lord is saying, no, you don't need that. I am the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. Because I will be reconciling you to God without counting your trespasses. And we have that message. You tell your neighbor, you see, God accepts you because of Jesus, not because of you. Amen? And honestly, most people are lost because they don't know the solution to life. And he has committed to us that word of reconciliation that Jesus is the answer. And look at it. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Can you imagine that? You're an ambassador for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You know why he was begging these people, the Corinthians? Because most of them, they are not yet reconciled with the Lord. Because how can you do the ministry of reconciliation if you yourselves are not reconciled with God? How can you tell the world, you see Christianity is the answer, while you yourself are lost? You cannot share anything that you haven't experienced. Amen? You cannot say to the world, you know, brethren, when I found Jesus, I found the answer <laughs> to life. And you need him so you would be rested while I'm so tired. It's impossible. You know, that, that is the problem with most Christians. These, they don't understand what it means to be a real Christian. You see, friends, this is what the Bible says. He made him when you know sin to be sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Imagine, it is not you. The righteousness is Jesus Christ. Can you imagine when you look at, when God looks at you? You are the righteousness of God. 
because of Jesus. Hindi man sarap. Hello? Parang hindi nyo alam ah. Hindi na totoo lang. Aren't you excited that what God looks at you, you are His righteousness? Diba? Yung iba ho, kawawa eh. They, they try to use external as in clothings to be to look like righteous. Diba? They use their hair ano, as in their hairstyle to look righteous. I don't have any problem with that. I have no hair to style. <laughs> but still, but God is telling us this is the message of reconciliation. Jesus Christ solved our biggest problem. Now, so sometimes our becoming so selfish hinders us to really do what, we, what God wants us to do. This is what happened also with the disciples. So when they were thinking about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel, and this is what they said. So when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Because for so many long years, they were under the power of the, uh, the other countries or other, other empire, from the empire of Assyria, empire of Babylon, empire of Medo-Persia, of, of Medo- and empire of, of Greece, and also the Roman Empire. And at that time, they were under the Roman Empire. And so they were asking, Lord, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? Aren't you the king that we're expecting to come? And the Lord Jesus Christ, they said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which Father has fixed by his own authority. And he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be what? My witnesses, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Friends, you are called to be witnesses. In the court of law in the heavenlies, God wants you to stand as witnesses, as in to tell the world that Jesus is alive. That Jesus is the answer. Now here's the problem. Satan will never stop attacking us. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, dominions, and power. So what did the Lord do? He put us into the witness protection program. <laughs> and this is how He protected us in order for us to win this case. And he said, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before God, our God, day and night. That's what Satan is doing. He keeps on accusing us. This day has not yet done, has not been accomplished, has not been fulfilled. And yet as of now, we are continually being accused. And sometimes we're experiencing that too. We are also accusing ourselves, agreeing to Satan and saying, well, you see, I have no authority, I have no power, I have no, uh, I have no, I have no right, I don't know, I'm, I'm a sinful man. No, God said, but they overcame him. How? They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, meaning they could continue on witnessing about him and they did not love their life even when faced with death. You know why most people are very defeated in this life? Because they love their lives so much. Their lives, their, their activities are focused on what they can get in this life. Instead of what they can give. For the life that God has given us is overflowing. It's like this. Before when I asked my father, Pa, where are you going? Sa Tagalog ganto, Magahanap buhay anak. You know, the word hanap in English is searching, looking for life. Tama? Okay. So when I, when I became a Christian, when my children would ask me, Pa, sa kapupunta? Where are you going? I would often tell them, Magbibigay buhay anak. In English, I will give life. Because I already found it. Amen? So that's what we're supposed to be doing. We keep on giving life. And look at this. Those people who, are, who love their lives so much, who earn so much, look at their testimonies. I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Kasi kala natin, when we are rich, we are happy. No, Rockefeller said that. And then look at this. Vanderbilt, 200 million. Imagine if you have the 200 million dollars. How many of the care of 200 million dollars is not enough to kill anyone? And there is not pleasure in it. And look at the words. John Jacob Astor. I am the most miserable man on earth. Ang yaman, miserable. Kawawa. Very rich yet miserable. Oh, now look at this. 
What can I say? I only know I am desolate. When he said that he was the wealthiest man in the world. Imagine Paul Getty at that time. And he said, I am so desolate. And look at this. Andrew Carnegie. Millionaires seldom smile. Now I understand why most of you seldom smile. Because you think you're a millionaire. Excuse me, you're not it. <laughs> the reason why people are so burdened, because they're so burdened with the things of this world. Friends, the priorities of God must be our priorities. Look at the words. What's the point of provision where we keep on asking God when we don't accomplish the vision and God's mission? Amen? And oftentimes we keep on Lord, provide, provide, provide. But we are not concerned about God's mission. We're not concerned about God's vision. Provision comes with a vision. Okay? Now, money, money will buy. This is something very tragic. Money can buy bed but not sleep. And you're so blessed. You're just sitting there and sleeping. No need for bed. (laughs) Books but not brains. Food but not appetite. Finery but not beauty. A house but not a home. Medicine but not health. Luxuries but not culture. Amusement but not happiness. A crucifix, but not a savior. Religion, but not salvation. A good life, but not eternal life. A passport to everywhere, but heaven. Friends, I'm telling you this. There is nothing wrong with wealth. But what, what is wrong is when we, put our, when we put money as our priorities, instead of trusting God as, he, as we accomplish what he wants us to do in this world. Honestly, I'm not excited to go to Bahamas. Honestly, we have so many beaches in the Philippines and I seldom go to those places. I don't want to get dark. (laughs) I've been investing so much for this. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I've already used up so many papaya soap. (laughs) Then you just, in a day, come on. So I'm not excited. I'm just excited to go there for the ministry. Besides, look at this. My wife was not even given the privilege to come along with me. Why? Because my wife was not given a visa. This country is so special. <laughs> that they did not allow my wife to come here. Yet. I know one day. That's why I'm not that excited. I'm only excited because I know. God has something in store for these people. I know because I've been spending sleepless night preparing for the message in English. <laughs> this is why Dale Moody beautifully says, getting riches brings care, keeping them brings trouble, abusing them brings guilt, and losing them brings sorrow. It is a great mistake to make so much of rich as we do. Friends, you don't need to have the richness and wealth of this world to accomplish the work of God. Because he will give that to you. That's his promise. And this is the promise. Never to allow money to hinder us in accomplishing the works of God. Why? Here's the promise. Philippians 4.19. And here's my message. Everything I said before is just an introduction. Forget about it. This is our topic. <laughs> Philippians 4.19. God will be all your needs. And let's stop there. He didn't say God might meet. It was a declaration that he will meet. His reputation, his name is at stake. Here. He will meet some of your needs. No, it's all of your needs. It includes physical needs, financial needs, mental needs, emotional needs. Some people, they're so concerned about the partner to have in life. Oh, I cannot minister. I have no husband. Come on. Look at those who are married. They could not minister also. <laughs> That's not true. That's not really true. And God said, God will meet all your needs. If you need a, a partner in life to accomplish his work, he will do that. He will provide for a partner. I never thought that I would have one. But God knew I needed one to accomplish his work more effectively. Amen? Now, he provides 
all our needs. Does that include my automobile amortization? Of course. If that's a need, God will provide for that. How about braces? Obviously, yes. But I, God did not promise that He will provide all your greeds. What He promised is that He will provide all your needs. You see, as a father, I really want to give everything to my children. But I will not. Because there are things that they're, ask, they're asking for things that are not good for them. Because I love them so much, I will not allow them to have things that will destroy their lives. In the same manner, the Lord also will do the same. He will not give you things, maybe yet or no more, if that thing will destroy you. Because He wants and loves you so much. And He will give you the best. And it is His promise. God will not withhold anything that is good to the righteous. That's His promise. If we have the righteousness of God, look at what He said. He will not withhold anything good. So if you don't have it yet, don't worry. It's not yet good for you. Okay? So don't worry. Now continue. According to His glorious riches. Can you imagine this? It is not according to your effort. It is not according to your parents' wealth. It is not according what CCF can give you. It is not according to your nation or country's wealth or economy. It is according to His glorious riches. You know what? In Filipino, it was translated like this. Sa hindi maubos na kayamanan ng Diyos, ipagkakalob niyang lahat ng iyong pangailangan. In English, with the resources that never run out, He will provide you everything that you need. Can you imagine that? Hello? And this is what they said. In Christ Jesus, it's very conditional. You cannot have it if you reject Jesus. Without Jesus, you can never have all your needs to be met. Because if you reject my son, if I'm God, why will I provide for your needs? Yes, God is gracious to provide you the blessings like what others are experiencing. The Lord also tell, told us that when He said that the rain does not only come to the righteous, but also to everybody. Tama? But, but, how about the need for eternity? He cannot give that apart from Jesus. How about the need for peace? When you are in, in, the, in the midst of great storm, only God can give you that peace in Christ Jesus. Amen? You cannot have that peace. You may have all the wealth of world of this world, but you can never have peace apart from Christ. Now, let's continue. So what's the guarantee? What's God's guarantee? God will meet. Will you please tell that to your seatmate? God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Amen? All, all, all. All your needs. Big or small. All your needs. Praise God. Now, how can we experience that? How come, it, some people will say, how come uh, it seems like an exaggeration to me? I never felt, I never experienced that God's providing for all of my needs. You know why? Because there are conditions, there are premises for the promises. Okay? What are the premises? You have to have, you have, to, have to know God. Uh, knowing God allows you to be in awe of Him. What is this awe? I will use this acronym for, this, for the outline. Okay? Sorry for the, and I know I will be finishing at one. I'm just kidding. Oh, A, ask for His help. You have to ask for His help. Does He not know everything that we need? No, this is what His God says. This is the context of Philippians 4.19. Prior to 19, there are four pre, uh, previous uh, verses. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplications, uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Grabe no? Sabi niya, ano sabi niya? Instead of worrying, go to God as in pray. You know friends, this is what I learned. When you are worried, you are acting like an atheist. Honest. You know why? Because you do not trust God. And you're just saying to yourself, if you're worried, it's up to me. If it's to be, it's up to me. So it's an, an atheist. It's like just saying, uh, you, you're just like singing the song, My Way. <laughs> I cannot have anything, but I have to do it. I have to work so hard to have it. No, friends. God said, you bring the matter to God. You see, if you are worried, you are singing that song, My Way, which is the theme song of hell. If you happen to visit hell soon, no, just kidding. You will be hearing those songs. 
Na, that song, particularly. Now, I'm, what I'm saying is this. Let me, friends, this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to ask. Ask in. Ask. Now, there was a little old lady who was very spiritual, who would step out on her porch every day, raised her arms to the sky and yelled, Praise the Lord! So one day, an atheist bought the house next door to her, and he became very irritated with the spiritual lady. So after a month or so of her yelling, Praise the Lord! From her porch, he would go outside on his porch and yell back, There is no Lord! The atheist said, Yet the little old lady continued, and one cold wintry day, when the old little old lady could not get to the store, she went out on her porch and raised her hands to the sky and said, Help me, Lord! I have no more money. It's so cold, and I have no more food. The next morning, she went outside, and there were bags of food on the porch, enough to last her a week. Praise the Lord! She yelled. The atheist stepped out in the bush and said, <laughs> And he said, There is no Lord. I bought those groceries. Then the little old lady raised her arms in the sky and then said, Praise God, you sent me groceries and you made the devil pay for them. (laughs) Friends, you don't have to worry. You can ask. As in ask. You bring the matter to God. And this is what he said. Look at this. You do not have because what? You do not ask God. The reason why you do not have, because you do not ask God. You see, God is waiting for you to ask. God never shuts his storehouse until we shut our mouth. You see, God never, you see, we want to help. But the problem is we don't and we never asked. The last time you needed a car, did you ask God or did you just go out and buy for it? Then you would ask the Lord, Lord, please help me to pay for the amortization. But you never ask God for it. You ask. You should ask. In Matthew, look at the words. Ask and God will give to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will open for you. Look at the first, le- uh, the first letters of the action words. A, S, K. Ask. God is just telling us in the different ways to ask. But he wants us to ask. As in us. You see, friends, there are same people. I don't know how to ask. I don't know how to pray. Oral evangelist Oral Roberts, some of you may not like him. I don't like him too. But he said something very beautiful. That his mother's advice is the best he ever heard on such subject of prayer. He was very ill, a 17 years old invalid. When his mother said, see friends, Oral, you must give your life to God. Only God can help you and you must pray. But I don't know how to pray. The young man responded, Oral, You don't have to know how to pray. Just talk to God out of your heart and tell Him what you feel inside. That is what it takes to pray. So Ora later said, after all these years, I've not been able to improve on my mother's advice. Just talk to God out of your heart. And I can only add, talk to God as a person, as your father. I remember before we got married, actually we had invested already as as singles, individual. We invested uh, staff we need for for, for us, for our family. So, when my, I told my, my wife-to-be at that time, I said, why don't you just sell your TV? You see, I don't want our children to have TV. I want them to listen so that they would, you know, they would uh, improve their imaginations. Then, so she, she took that advice. She took heed of that advice, so she sold her TV. But when we had our own first baby on, on her uh, due date, the doctor advised her to walk. And while we were walking on the, inside the mall, he sa- she said, you know, Bong, I could not imagine our children going to our neighbors just to watch TV. So we need to have one. And I said, but I'm already preparing for your, you know, for, for your delivery, so for the delivery of that baby, I have to, pre- the money is enough for that. And we don't have enough money for, for, for TV. But I, I, I realized that he, she was right at that time. So I said, okay, on our way up to the next floor, on the, in, on the escalator, I, we just prayed, Lord, give us TV, sharp. <laughs> that was just it. Give us TV, sharp. And you know, when we got home, somebody called up. Brother Bong, are you going to attend uh, the event tomorrow? Oh, yes, I will. So see you there, okay? Okay, thank you. See you. Next, the following day, he said, do you have a car? 
No, I didn't bring one because you know, how can you bring this home? You know what it was? TV sharp. <laughs> I wish I said Sony. <laughs> but, <it's still laughs> but maybe the Lord already put that particular brand in my mouth in prayer. So I said, Lord, okay, thank you. So when I, when I got home, I said, look, Sonny, look the word, look the, the TV. Praise God, sharp. So we turned it on. We, then while it is on, we prayed in God, thank you for this TV. And we bring you back this TV, oh God, as our offering to you. Boom! Us <laughs> in! It exploded! The Lord accepted our burnt offerings! <laughs> and we were laughing. Actually, we were laughing. Because the Lord literally answered our prayers. Of course, the TV was replaced because it, there's still a, a warranty. But again, we were so happy at that time. We were ecstatic about the experience. <laughs> the Lord listens to our prayer. So you tell the person, ask. Why do you think God wants us to ask? Why do you think God wants us to ask? And some people, they say, you see, you don't understand. I am not worthy to pray. Come on, guys. Look at this. In Psalm 107, there were those who dwelt in darkness in the shadow of death. Prisoners in misery and chains. Why? Because they had rebelled against the words of God. And spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, He humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled and there was none to help. Why are they suffering? Why were they suffering? Because they rebelled against God. Tama? And look at the dead. When they had no hope at all, they ran back to God. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Look at what God did. Did God say, come on guys, you're so rebellious, go ahead and suffer in hell. He didn't say that. You know what he said? He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. You know, God wants us to say, to be saved. God wants us. You see, none of us is qualified in prayer apart from Jesus. It is only by His grace. Amen? So, when you come to God, never come with your own righteousness. Always come with Jesus Christ's righteousness in you. So, when God looks at you, He sees Jesus instead of you. Because we belong to His body. So, He listens to our prayer because of Him. So, let me just remind you of this. Before you pay for anything, pray for it first. Most people, they say, we had no enough money. But that's not true. You have more than enough. If you will just listen to God. Uh, we were in Ikea last, yesterday. And I was seeing so many things. Because, you see, there's so many things to buy there. But I didn't buy anything. Why? As I was praying, the Lord was telling me, don't buy anything. Okay, Lord. <laughs> Some people, they so easily use their credit card and charge it before, instead of praying for it. You know, then you end up with so much debt. Pray, as in pray. God wants you to pray. Why? Because God, He, he wants you to experience it. So give Him a chance to give it to you before you got, got out and charge it. Come on. You, you just allow God to move in your life. So here's the point. You have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy will be the fullest possible joy. Why God wants us to ask? So that you may experience the fullest possible joy. Do you remember the story in Zaire? When the little young girl prayed for a hot water bottle? Do you, do you remember that story? That shared by Pastor Peter? Uh, you didn't listen to that message? <laughs> no, no, no. Just kidding. No, there was a young lady who prayed for a hot water bottle in Zaire. Because without that hot water bottle, the, the orphan, one of the orphans will, will die. So he, she prayed. So when the box came, there was a water bottle. But the box was sent five months earlier. Look at this. Even without her asking, the hot water bottle will come. But God placed a burden in her heart to pray so that they would just rejoice that God listens to their prayer. And he answered it five months advance. So God wants us to ask. So ask. Then you will see. How would you know that God is really listening to you? Ask. Then you will know. Because He will answer. Amen? Amen. And He will answer in so many ways. Secondly is this. W. A is ask for His help. Second is work hard. Toward contentment. By learning to be content. 
This is what Paul said. Again, in that particular passage, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of contentment in every situation. This is the condition of the heart. You see, what does contentment mean? You see, the key to being really rich, the key to financial freedom is being truly rich in contentment. Okay ba yun? Maging contento kang yaman mo bigla. Honest. Yaman bigla. Most of us, we keep on complaining, ah, I have no more clothes. This, or, ah, I look thin with this. I look fat with this. I look dark. I look light. I have no more clothes. <laughs> you have been choosing a lot. No? From, a, from a lot of choices, and yet you don't have clothes. No, when I was studying, we were poor. I had only two, uh, no, two uniforms to wear. I washed the uniform, I used the other one. Then I washed it again, I used the other one. No problem with that. Now, I have so many clothes, I have problems. <laughs> I don't know what to wear. But honestly, I don't really care about how I look. Because what I care is how God looks at me. Amen? Now, look at this. This is the contentment. There is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. Look at that. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Have you seen a baby born with a car key? Or an ATM? <laughs> no. They just have that umbilical cord where the provision flows. And at the moment you're born, it's immediately cut off. He brought nothing in this world. Any baby brought nothing in this world. And even if we die, we will bring nothing in this world. So don't, you know, don't spend much time with things accumulating too, many, too much wealth. Because at the end of the day, you know this, look at this. If not because of the work of God, the wealth is for God's work, okay? If not with God's work, look at this. Look at this. Just imagine this. Imagine this. For example, what's your name again? How about Henry? For example, Henry. He worked so hard. So he made a, he even had a house about 1,200 square meters in floor area. That's in acres is more than one and a half times. Okay? In acres. So, wow, so big a house. Then he had so many luxurious cars like Audi, uh, uh, let's say Lincoln Navigator. Then he died. Early. Then the wife remarried. <laughs> ah. Now the new husband said, wow, your ex has left so many things. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Can you imagine the pain? <laughs> you, don't spend too much on this world. As in focus on the things of eternity, it will not be wasted. But you will be, we, we will enjoy the blessings of God as I'm enjoying it. You see friends, contentment is not not having any goals. Contentment is not not having ambition. Contentment is not even not having financial goals. Because these things are, are, are expressions of faith. The reason why we have goals is because we have faith. We believe. Tama? Oh, no. You see, contentment means my happiness is not dependent upon circumstances. It is not the if and when. If I have this, when I have this, then I would be happy. No. Be happy because God owns you. Imagine out of so many things in this world, God treasures you so much. And if he treasures you, he will never, never forsake you nor even neglect you. He will take care of you. And very recently, I had a very nice, a very good, I had a miracle. I experienced a very, uh, a wonderful miracle. Uh, don't just bother with looking at the slides yet. Um, see, I'm living in a house owned by my parents. But my parents transferred to heaven. So they are now with Jesus. Because I believe that they did not die. They just transferred residence. So they left the house here on earth with us. And I have eight siblings. I've been staying in that house for almost 12 years. And I said, Lord, I know it's very unfair if I will just benefit from this house. And my, my siblings are there, you know, just trying to stay with me. And I believe that they also have that right to enjoy the house. So I offered them to buy that house. And my brother said, no, you cannot buy that house. We, we need to use that. Okay. So in other words, I was forced to look for a land where I can start a house of my own. So I said to God, Lord, just give me a land. I know that you want also my, our, our brothers, our siblings to enjoy the property that you allowed my parents to enjoy during their lifetime. And you know what? For some reason, I could not afford to buy a land. I'm a pastor and I, I don't have an, any salary. I live by faith. 
by God's grace, although CCF supports, the support is not enough. I, in fact, I give more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now, now here's, the, here's the, the thing. My, my friend, who happened to be a realtor, bought a property for his investment. He was, his plan was to sell that property afterwards. But he said, you know, this lot is so nice. And when I saw the lot, I really, honestly, I coveted it in my heart. and said, Lord, give that lot to me. <laughs> but again, it would be very unfair to my friend if I, do, if I pray and I said, but of course I said, Lord, sorry, forgive me for asking that and to covet for that land. But nonetheless, the friend told me, you know, Bong, why don't you just own this land? Just, just pay me when able. <laughs> pay me. We pay you when able. You don't understand. It will take about 100 years to do so. <laughs> Man, honestly, that would be something impossible. But no, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm serious. Take it and pay it when able. But because my heart trusts the Lord, I prayed. So I keep on paying. Every time I receive an envelope, I do not even open the envelope. I just give it to him. Without knowing that the only thing that I, that the, the, the only arrears that I have is about, about a little less than half a million pesos. So in, in dollars, about huh? 12,000 dollars. Oh, 12, so I prayed. So I go, Lord. That, and here's the guy. Bong, since we are very close, he said, Bong, will you please pray for me? You see, I'm, 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 I know, I'm running out of finances. I need to pay 3.5 million pesos. So 3.5 million is how much? Oh, it's like that. So <laughs> about 30,000 or 40,000 dollars. So about thereabout. So he said, but of course I got so guilty. This guy is having a problem, but here I am. I'm not paying him yet. So I said, Lord, it's very unfair. He listens to my preaching. He, he hears how you provide for me. So that was Saturday. He, he hears how we provide. I think I need to pay for him. So I prayed Saturday. Sunday came. Somebody called up. Coming from a far, far south of, of our country. Visited us in Manila. And said, Brother Bong, are you here? Yeah, I'm coming. So can I meet with you? Sure. So when I met with him, all of a sudden he shook my hands with a check. That was the nicest Shake hand I had. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I said, oh, what's this? No, the Lord told me to give that to you. Oh, thank you, thank you. So, praise God. So, when I was going to my, to my room, he said, oh, he texted me, he said, can you just check the check? If I have signed it, I may have forgotten to sign it. So, to me, it was my practice not to open the check until I get home. Because I'm still praying for it so that God will add another zero. So again, I said, Lord, since he's asking for it, can I open it? And somehow I felt that, okay, you do it. And I want to encourage you. So when I opened the check, it was half a million. Half a million. So Lord, thank you. So this is the cuts. I heard, then I talked to him the following day and he said, you know, Brother Bong, I already lost my business. Oh, why are you? But God spoke to me to give that money to you. I don't know why. That was Saturday. And the wife said, yes, I have no choice but to submit. <laughs> but I got bothered. So I prayed for them. I did not pray there, but I prayed as I was I know, leaving them. I said, Lord, will you be reciprocated with your bountiful blessings? And every time I see them, they're always smiling. They're so excited about life. And they keep on traveling because they have no money anymore. <laughs> but they just keep on traveling. <laughs> so friends, this one thing. Just learn to be satisfied. In fact, at that time, I was only thinking, the Lord, I'm willing to sell the lot. I'm not that hot to have that house. But if you want to give, it's okay. If you don't, it's okay for me. I'm happy with you. In fact, when, when, when we have some debts, as in uh, legally with uh, no signing and said, well, my wife would say, we cannot pay. How can we pay? Don't worry. Let God worry about that. I said, if God will put me into prison, into imprisonment, so no problem. I will still share the gospel there inside the prison cell. But one thing I know, everything comes from God. So let's just trust the Lord. And the Lord will never allow me to not to pay the debts. Why? Because God provides. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Amen? Amen? Now, let's continue. So, learn to be content. How to be content? Contentment makes poor men rich. This content makes men, rich men poor. 
Content is when your earning power is more than your yearning power. Not equal, but equal, break even lang yan. It must be more. And true contentment is found not in having everything you want, but in not wanting to have everything. Contentment is not having what you like, but liking what you have. That's God, what God wants us to experience in this life. Amen? Now, last, lastly, exercise faith giving. Practice to give by faith. Why? Look at the context. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in the Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, but what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Not that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. For my God shall supply all your needs. That was the context. Look at the word. You see, God wants us to be His partner. We are His partners. Everything He gives us, we are to use that in partnership with Him. Amen? And every time we give, we give as an offering to Him. It's an act of worship. So never, never allow yourself to give because you are forced to give. This is what Paul said. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Then, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. So when you give, don't think of it, ah, the Lord, again, the pastor is trying to, you know, to push me to give. If you feel that way, don't give. Okay? Don't give. Because what God wants is a cheerful giver. Amen? And then look at this. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Can you imagine that? At the right time when you need it, the Lord will provide for it. That's what He's promised. Amen? Amen po ba? And friends, I feel I'm one of the richest guys in the world. I may have not billions. I have the trillions of heaven. Because every time I need, I just ask. He provides. I ask. And in fact, He even provides even when I fail to ask. Because He knows before I ask. That's our God. So trust Him, as in give. Trust Him. You see, again the word, God is able to make all grace abound to you. Look at the words. You see, uh, Randy, I think, I, I forgot his name. Let me just see. Uh, this was in the spirit of revival in November. This is what they said. The way to handle our money is perhaps the truest indicator of the spiritual condition of our heart. The Bible contains more than 500 references to prayer, and almost 500 references to faith. But there are more than 2,000 references to money and possessions. Out of 38 parables that Jesus told in the gospel, 16 deal with how we handle our money. Jesus said more about money and possession than about heaven and hell combined. One out of every 10 verses in the gospel deals with money or possession. 288 verses in the four gospels. Can you imagine that? Why? Because God knows that our greatest struggle in this life in not accomplishing the things of God, money. Amen? You tell the person beside you, Never to worry money anymore. Okay? <laughs> Let money worries you. <laughs> no. Look at what God tells us. Honor the Lord by giving Him the first part of all your income. And He will fill your barns. That is promise. That is His promise. And the question is not how much of our money we should give to God. But how much of God's money we should keep to ourselves, for ourselves. Friends, everything we have belongs to Him. Amen? So, let's trust God in everything. As in trust God in everything. You see, tithing is the solution no one talks about. If every Christian type, every congregation would be free of financial worries and could begin truly to be the salt of the earth. If every Christian would type, the church would begin to make an impact on the world that would change it. Unfortunately, the church instant is paralyzed. So I challenge you. I challenge you to trust God fully in everything. As in, in everything. So let me end. Praise God. Parang lungkot ninyo. Ang tagal naman niya mag-end. 
Allow me to end with this. Friends, God is able to provide far more abundantly beyond what we ask, think, or even imagine. Now, let me end with the story of three guys whom the Lord used in the ministry. You see, these guys, actually, they really believe in the God who provides. The God who never fails giving them everything they need. So, so this, is what, this is what happened. John Brents, friend of Martin Luther, remembered this particular verse in 1 Kings 17.6. When God provided for Elijah during the famine, God used ravens to feed him. And John Brents reminded of this verse, and he was. was while he was hiding from the Spanish cavalry, Emperor Charles V repeatedly tried to assassinate him. And on occasion, Brents barely heard of the plot in time to grab a loaf of bread and back into his neighbor's hayloft. There he hid 14 days back into his, uh, 14 days, he, there he hid 14 days. The bread, of course, was quickly gone. But the Lord sent a hen who showed up and laid an egg each day for 14 days. Can you imagine that? And in this way, Brent was kept alive. On the 15th day, the chicken did not come. And the, per, the performer wondered what he would do. But from the streets below came the Christ. The cavalry men are gone at last. So there's no need for an egg anymore. Then another guy, in a similar way, a dog provided for the needs of another reformer, John Craig, who was arrested during the Inquisition. On the eve of his scheduled execution, Craig escaped. But while fleeing through the Italian back country, he ran out of food and money. Suddenly, a dog approached him about to vomit in, his, in, in front of him. So he was trying to shoo him away, but the dog insisted. And a purse came out from its mouth. <laughs> so from that, in that purse, there was enough money to take him to freedom. And lastly, here's a story of, story of Robert Bruce. Are you familiar with Robert Bruce in the, in the movie Braveheart? Remember that Robert Bruce, the guy who betrayed Wallace? Now, this guy also, if, now, he's a, he, he was, a, Scot, he was a, Scot, a, Scot, a Scottish. He was running for his life, fleeing persecutors. He ducked in a small cave and a spider immediately appeared and spun a web over the opening. Bruce's pursuers spun across the landscape knowing he was near. Two of them approached the cave and one of the men started to go in. The other one stopped him saying, he could never have gotten in there without breaking the spider's web. So Bruce breathed this prayer, Oh God, I thank thee that in the tiny bowels of a spider, you can place me for a shelter. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Jesus, this is what he promised. Seek him first and his kingdom. And he will give everything you need. All these things shall be added unto you. Shall we just bow down our heads in prayer? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Friends, the promise is only for those who belong to Jesus Christ. You alone know whether you really belong to him or not. So I pray that this morning, I pray that you will really give your life to Jesus for he has given his life to you. For there is no other way for you to really enjoy God but only through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He's the only truth. And he's the only life. No one can come to the Father except through him. And friends, if you're already a Christian and somehow you never have, you never have experienced the joy of seeing God at work in your life, Remember this. Ask Him for your Ask Him. Ask Him for help. And as in learn, work hard to learn to be content. It takes a lot of things to learn. Contentment is not automatic. It's something to be learned. It is something that you have to stop comparing whatever you have with others. It is really learning to thank God for what you have. To always honor Him with everything you have. And of course, to exercise giving by faith. You may think, I don't have enough. And that's all the more you need to trust God on this. As He sees you, faithful, honoring Him, even with what the little things you have, 
and God will entrust you greatest things as He promised. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father God Almighty, we thank you that you all know us. We cannot hide anything from you. We thank you, Jesus, that you desire for everyone to experience the joy of your salvation. And I pray for those who haven't received Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, to allow them to really be humble enough to admit that they need you. To really ask you to live, to Lord, to have an exchange life with you. I pray, Lord our God, to speak to their hearts. And right now also, I pray for those who haven't, to those who want to, ex- to experience God. I pray, Lord our God, to allow faith to rise in their hearts and to allow them, Father God, to see how good you are and how faithful you are in your words. Thank you, Lord, that you never fail. Lord, give uh, fulfilling your promises to us. And God, I pray that your ministry here in CCF, I pray that you will allow everyone to grow together, that you will allow, Father God, not only to grow in numbers, but to grow in faith, to grow in power, that they will be your witnesses, O God, not only in this place, O God, but throughout the world. Thank you, God, that nothing is impossible with you. And in you, Father God, we submit ourselves, Father. Continue to uphold your work, Father God, in the life and the family of Pastor Danny and Pastor Insong. Father God, be with them. Continue to strengthen, Father God, Atilinette. Continue to heal her. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Father God, to every family we represent, we thank you that you will allow your name to be glorified. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot.